Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13 says this. I'm sure you've heard this verse if you've been around the Bible very long. Might have used it or tried to use it. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful. I'm so glad He is. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, notice what He says, with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. With the temptation. He'll provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. Summer has officially started. Welcome to summer. Between Memorial Day and Labor Day is the time of the year we celebrate as summer. It's 98 days. 98 days right in the middle of the calendar year. And there's something special about that 98 days, like no other time of the year. Christmas is wonderful, Thanksgiving is great, Easter is always wonderful. But there's something about that summer, 98 days right in the middle of the year, that the attitude of escape comes upon people like no other time during the year. We're going to escape during the summer. The long-awaited summer adventure for most of us began in our childhood in school days. After Christmas break, we anticipated summer break. And how many remember when you was going to school, it didn't seem like summer would ever get there? How many remember that? As children during the school year, we tolerated the same boring, routine schedule five days a week. You know what it was. You can remember. And summer is the escape from that boring schedule. Monday and Tuesday... All year long when we was in school, you heard it like this. Get up. Get ready. Go to school. How many remember that? Tuesday. Get up. Get ready. Go to school. By Wednesday, it sounded like this. Get up. Get ready. Go to school. On Thursday, it sounded like this. Please get up. Get ready. And go to school. And then on Friday it sounded like this. Tomorrow you don't have to get up. Get ready or go to school. But today, get up. Get ready and go to school. Week after week, the same mundane schedule. The same time, the same routine, the same Pop-Tarts, the same seat on the bus. Everything, everything was the same day after day. Get up. Get ready. Go to school. Get up. Get ready. Go to school. Then summer came. The heavens opened. Freedom arrives. And for the first time in months, you don't hear, get up, get ready, go to school. Instead, you hear this, jump up. Are you ready? We're going to the pool. 
and the summer. In fact, I fired my wife when she worked for me at Trinity Allgood. I fired her three summers in a row because she wouldn't show up for work. Every summer she thought her job was at the pool with the kids. Summer is the season of escape. We have been waiting all year long to get out of school and enjoy the summer break. Every adult in this room, every one of us, can look back over our childhood and remember a special summer. Maybe a special vacation, a special trip that we had that was fun and adventurous. Maybe you didn't go anywhere special, but you met somebody special. I met my wife during the summer. Or you did something special that summer that you remember to this day. Summer is the season of escape. Then in our senior year of high school, we can't wait to get out of school so we can start a new daily routine. And it goes like this. Get up. Get ready. Go to work. Get up. Get ready. Go to work. Get up. Get ready. Go to work. You know, I've noticed something about adults. Adults get more excited about summer vacation than children nowadays. I continually see on social media the vacation countdowns. 26 days until freedom. 46 days and 8 hours until I see the beach. Have you noticed that even adults desire a long and awaited escape? A getaway, a break, we want it. Uh, Something that gets us away from the routine. It seems like everyone can't wait to get to the beach and take pictures of their stinking feet. What is that all about? What is that all about? and, And men doing it now with their hairy legs. What is that all about? In the past decade, a new term emerged. A new term emerged called staycation. A staycation. A staycation is a vacation in which you go nowhere. You simply escape what you routinely do every day. Every one of us, every one of us in this room, we need a vacation or a staycation if you prefer. It's good to escape the routine. It's good to change the rhythm of our life. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's biblical. Look with me at Mark chapter 6. Turn over to Mark chapter 6, verse number 30. Mark chapter 6, Jesus encouraged a vacation. Mark chapter 6, verse number 30, it says this, The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away, escape by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there are many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away, they escaped in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. This summer, 2017, as we begin summer, I want to encourage you, each of us, to take a divine vacation, a God-guided escape, a spirit-led break 
from things that have stolen your joy, stolen your excitement, and have stolen your hope for tomorrow. Years ago, uh, I was struggling emotionally and mentally and made an appointment to see my spiritual overseer. I met with him. I drove to Nashville. We lived in uh, Cookville. I drove to Nashville to meet with him, and I had an appointment. We met, and I started sharing my struggles, my lack of sleep, my inability to turn my mind off because thoughts, negative thoughts were racing through my mind like machine gun bullets. And I shared with him things that were tormenting me. And even though that meeting lasted 30 years ago, I mean, it lasted, it went on 30 years ago. It was 30 years ago that I had that meeting with him. I still remember it to this day. And I remember what he said. He looked at me as I shared all this stuff with him that was bothering me. And he said this, Son, you just need a break. You have been working too hard. Go take a few days off and things will get better. That's what he said. Well, I left his office and went home and told Amanda what he said. And within the next two weeks, we planned a trip to the beach, a vacation. A trip to the beach was going to fix me. That's what I needed. He said to get away. He's the spiritual overseer. I'm going to get away, and that was going to fix me. We went to the beach, and guess what? I struggled at the beach, and I struggled when I got home. You see, I got away but I didn't escape. I packed for vacation, but I never unpacked the luggage that I had accumulated over the years. And listen, a vacation is wonderful, but you can get away but never escape you. So a real vacation this summer is when those things that you've packed on you for many years that you've been unable to unpack, you can get free from that and break that routine of worry, break that routine of being down and depressed, and all of a sudden finally find freedom this summer. This can be an unforgettable summer for you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. The summer of 2017, this summer, can be a summer of a lifetime for you. The next 98 days can be a season that you escape that burden, you escape that temptation, you escape that habit, you escape that painful memory, that shameful and awful shame that you deal with, or that pattern of thought that you've been living with for years. I want to challenge you this summer to really go on a vacation and escape. I'm not talking about just leaving the house. I'm not talking about leaving the city. I'm talking about escaping those things that keep holding you back from being everything God wants you to be. And notice, he teaches us how to do it. He shows us here how to do it. Notice what he says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. The test, the trials, the burden, the pain, the shame... The difficulty, the disappointments that you and I experience are no different than what anybody else experiences. So here's the first thing we need to understand. Number one, you are not alone in your pain. This summer, you are not alone in your pain. 
One of the most effective schemes of Satan is trying to convince us, trying to convince me that my trial, my temptation, my pain, my hurt, my failure is unlike anything that anyone else has ever gone through. He'll try to tell you, you did it worse than anybody. You failed worse than anybody. You are the most embarrassed person in this city. Your family would never do anything like you've done. You are the chief of the chief of mess-ups. That's what he'll try to tell you. No one has been through what you have been through. You have been hurt more than anybody else. You've been done wrong more than anyone else. Your failure is worse than anyone else's. Your loneliness is more severe than anybody else's. Your habit is more addictive than anyone else's. Your burden is heavier than anyone else's burden. See, if Satan can convince you and me that we are alone in this battle, if he can convince you that you're alone in this battle, then you will not seek help. And you will not share your pain with others because nobody else will understand anyway. He is a master of isolation. Have you ever noticed when people come under attack, the first thing they want to do is stay away from the church? They'll start start missing church when they come under attack. Either attack to sin or attack of failure or attack of disappointment. Somebody hurts them. Somebody does them wrong. The first thing they want to do, they're tempted to do, is stay away from church. Do you not realize that Satan trying to isolate you from people who speak life into you? People that will help you get healed through that situation. But the Lord says here, your pain has been experienced by others just as well. Look what he says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Others know your pain, and others have experienced your shame. They got through it, and so will you. I promise you, this can be the summer. Make this an unforgettable summer. James chapter 5, verse 16 says it this way. This is what James 5, 16 says. Confess your sins to who? Each other. Confess your sins to who? Each other. Oh man, I don't want to tell nobody what I did. I don't want, I don't want to tell nobody. I'm shamed. They've sinned just like you. They've messed up just like you. They understand. In fact, you know, I've noticed, I, I get more compliments over my transparency of my failures than I do over anything else I share. It's people just love to hear their pastors messed up. Yep. It just makes them feel better about their life. Because every one of us mess up. Amen. Every one of us mess up. And the pastor, I, I hear it all the time. I can't believe you tell some of those things you tell on yourself. Well, here's what I've learned. If I'll tell it first, it gives you no room to gossip about me. See? Somebody's, do you hear what? Oh, yeah, he showed that from the platform. That ain't no big deal. All right. That ain't ain't no big deal. Confess Confess your sins to who? Each other. Each other. Why? So you can give them something to gossip? No, because it brings healing. It lets you know. It stops Satan and lets you know, I'm not the only one going through this. 
How many times have you shared a moment of your pain, a moment of your shame, and you've gotten up the courage and you've shared it with someone, and they will sit there and not judge you, but say, I understand. Let me tell you what I, how I messed up one time. See, you're not alone in this pain. Confess your sins with one another and pray for each other that you may be what? Healed. So understand, you're not alone in your pain this summer. Whatever's bothering you, whatever burden you're carrying, whatever shame you're holding on to, it's time to unpack it. It's time to take an escape. It's time to get a vacation from that and start the fall brand new. You're not alone in your pain. Number two, Satan's plan of destruction toward us will never supersede God's plan of deliverance for us. I don't care how bad you've blown it. I don't care what kind of mess you're in. Satan's plan of destruction for you can never overcome God's plan of deliverance for you. Look what he says. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. The word faithful here means reliable. It means trustworthy. God is faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. I don't know about you. I, Amanda and I talk about it quite often. The lack of faithfulness in people nowadays. The lack of reliability nowadays in people. And I know people don't mean to be that way. They just get distracted. There's so many things to distract people. But people will tell you, well, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show. And they, they, they don't think another thing about it. They, never sh- they don't show up and they don't do what they're going to say. And sometimes we think God's like that. But the Bible says that God is faithful. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. Often the temptation that, dis- that comes against us screams at us that God will not and cannot deliver you. You're in a mess this time. And you can't get out. He can't deliver you. He will not deliver you. The heaviness of the shame and the pain that harass us consumes our mind with the thought that we got ourselves in this mess and God cannot help us out of this. And when our minds are bombarded and with accusations and reminders of our failures, it's at that moment that we've got to remember God is reliable. God is trustworthy. And it's at that point where you don't think you're going to come out. It's the moment of either escape, you escape, or you neglect the escape that God's provided for you. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know this. Notice what it says. Moses knew something about God that we need to learn. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God. The what? The faithful. Everybody say faithful God. That word faithful means reliable. Moses says He's God, He's reliable God. The word faithful means reliable, it means trustworthy. Moses says he is God, he's a reliable God, he's a trustworthy God. Now notice this, who keeps covenant. And mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now listen to this. There usually comes a moment in all of our lives that we find ourselves in a crisis that seems overwhelming. Every one of us, I've been there, a moment that this is bigger than I can get myself out of. I can't pull any more levers. 
I can't make any more phone calls. I've done all I need to do. And I can't get out of this mess. There comes a moment in every one of our lives. And if you hadn't experienced, hang on long enough, live long enough. It's coming your way. We encounter a test, an attack or temptation. Which are the results of our actions or sometimes the actions of others. And the crisis screams that our life is destroyed and there's no help available. It is at that moment that the route of escape is either accepted or neglected. It is at that point that the route of escape is accepted or neglected. Remember what the Holy Spirit says. God is faithful. Even when you are in a mess that nobody can help you out of, God is faithful. Go back to Deuteronomy 9 or 7, 9. Notice what it says. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God. He is a faithful. He's a reliable. He's a trustworthy God who keeps covenant. And notice this. And mercy. He not only keeps covenant, He keeps mercy. He keeps mercy. You know, all of us who've been around church very long and the Bible very long knows if you abide in me and my words abide in you, well, you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. There's plenty of times I've gone to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm in a mess here. Uh, but I've done what your word said. These people, have, these people have done some things that are not right and it's put me in the middle of this and I've been obedient. But then there are other times... I've gone to the Lord and said, I blew it. I'm in this mess because of me. People tried to tell me and I wouldn't listen. And now I'm reaping what I've sown. I'm in the middle of this mess because of me. And I'm going down. And notice what it says. God is reliable. God is trustworthy. He keeps mercy. He keeps mercy. If today you find yourself in a dungeon of hopelessness brought on by the actions of others and there seems no way out, God is faithful to keep His covenant with you. But I want you to know, if you found yourself in a mess today, not brought on by other people's actions, but by your stupid actions... Let me promise you something. God is still faithful. He's still reliable. And He'll keep mercy toward you. He'll keep mercy toward you. Not only does He keep covenant toward people who do His Word, He also keeps mercy toward people who royally mess up and don't do what they should do. He's a reliable, trustworthy, faithful God. Listen to Psalm 91.14 says this, to people who keep His covenant who've done everything they're supposed to do and still find themselves in a mess. Here's what he says. Because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. Why? Because you love me. I will protect you for you acknowledge my name. He will call on me and I will answer you. Call on me and I will answer you, saith the Lord. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. Now that's for people who's done right. That's the promise, the trustworthiness, the reliability of God. You've done right, and God will get you out. He'll get you I don't care what it looks like. You hold on. He will make a way of escape for you. But then what if happens when you, you didn't do right? 
You just royal, you sinned. You were tempted and messed up. You got yourself in a mess. What about then? Well, look at Psalm 103, verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. The word mercy there literally means sympathetic and compassionate toward the misery of others. God is sympathetic and compassionate toward my misery, toward your misery. I like lamentations. I don't read it very much. It means to lament. It means to cry. I don't stay over there much. All right? If I go to a Church of Christ church, I'll end up that week reading Lamentations. But here, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says this, Through the Lord's mercy, through His mercy, we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are what every morning? New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. (laughs) His mercy is new every morning. Did you get up today? Yes. Guess what? You got a new slate. Tomorrow is not held against you. His mercy is new every morning. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He not only remembers His covenant when you've done right, He also remembers mercy when you've done wrong. He's a merciful God. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. I love this. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 says, Who is a, who is a God like you? He's saying, God, who, is there anybody like you? Why? Why? Why, Micah? Why would you say that? Because you pardon iniquity and pass over the transgression of the remnant of your heritage. You do not retain your anger forever because you delight. You delight in mercy. You delight in mercy. You delight in mercy. That word delight is so amazing here. Now think about it. How many times have you messed up, and you, some of us have messed up multiple times? Many times. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We'll promise the Lord we're not going to do it again, and guess what we do? We do it again. And before long, before long, we get to thinking, he's tired of this. I know how my parents are. My daddy said, you mess up, I'm going to whoop you. You mess up again, I'm going to kill you. All right? But most of us, somebody keeps messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up. We just get tired of it. We ain't messing with you. Can I get an amen? We're not me- I'm not messing with you. You, 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 just, you got a screw loose. We're not messing with you no more. And we tell the Lord, we're not going to do that. I promise you, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And we do it. And we really mean it when we say we're not going to do it. But we just had to learn how to overcome the temptation. We haven't put into our life some boundaries to help us overcome. And we mess up again and we mess up again. And before long, we'll get to thinking that God is not merciful to us. That we don't deserve mercy. He's not going to put up with us much longer. He's going to get mad at us here before long. And we start withdrawing from Him. And we stay away from Him. And we stay away from the house of God. Because we start feeling shame. And Satan starts bringing out our shame more than God's mercy. But notice what it says. It says that our God... Micah said, what kind of God are you? What kind of God? He said, I don't know a God 
who pardons and passes over the transgressions of his people and does not retain, he never gets mad. He doesn't retain his anger. I mean, he might get disappointed in what we did, but he don't hold it till the next day. Why? Because his mercy is new every morning. If you made it to this day, you're, you're in a good place. All right. If you're not here to, if if you wasn't here today and you messed up royally yesterday, you were in a bad place. But by you being here today, that lets us know that God has passed over your failure and His mercy is new again today. And notice what it says: He delights in that word. Delights is amazing in the Hebrew. It's one that I learned when I was in college. I took uh, a year of Hebrew. And uh, I remember this one word because I needed it so much. The word delights means, in the Hebrew, it means to bend toward. It means to bend toward. And it means to bend toward with a pleasure. With a pleasure derived. In other words, he's saying, God delights. He, when you and I mess up royally, every morning, guess what he does? He bends toward us with pleasure. You know when you and I mess up and family get embarrassed by us, you know what they do? They shy away. Your friends, you mess up, you know what they do? They shy away. I don't want to have nothing to do with you. You've disappointed me. You've embarrassed our family. And they shy away and they won't call you and they won't talk to you. And they won't invite you to dinner. And when you see them at places, they'll just kind of treat you distant. I want you to know, we ser- that's why Micah said, what kind of God are you? That when your people mess up, you don't shy away from them and are embarrassed by them and are ashamed of them. You bend toward them with pleasure. And get pleasure out of showing them mercy. That's the kind of God we serve. So understand, there is no plan of destruction that Satan has that's greater than God's plan of deliverance for you. Number one, you're not the only one going through your pain. Number two, no plan of destruction that Satan has is greater than God's plan of deliverance for you. And finally, number three, the way of escape is never to run away from, but to walk victoriously through. (laughs) No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, with the temptation, will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. You know, most of us, we get ourselves in a mess and we just want to run away from it. But God's way of escape is to walk victoriously through it. 1997, we just built that big thousand-seat sanctuary in a town of 2,000. Biggest thing in the city. Biggest thing in the sanctuary in the county. Little town of 2,000. Right downtown, we built this big, humongous sanctuary. God told me to. I did it. And we did it, and people were coming. People, people are not smart. Christians are not smart sometimes. We didn't have enough parking for all the people that were coming, so they started parking in people's yards. Well, you know, people don't like that. They don't like that. Parking in their driveways, they couldn't even get out. And, uh, 
and uh, so they 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 attacked me. They attacked our church. The p- people in the community attacked our church. Called a city council meeting. I thought they were giving me the keys to the city. <laughs> they called to crucify me. I, they had a committee to crucify me. One guy got up and said, "You've ruined our city." Our little town was so quiet, and you've come in here and ruined it. We don't want you in this city. My heart was broke. My heart was broke. And I began to pray, Lord, get me out of this city. I want to escape. And I'd quote this scripture. You said you'd make a way of escape. Now get me out of this city. Get me out. These are a bunch of stiff neck. I'll take the deal you did with Mo- that you did with Moses. God said to Moses, I'll get rid of these stiff neck people, and I'll start all over with you. I said, Lord, Moses didn't take that deal. I'll take it. I'll take that deal. And I never will. We went months, every day, newspaper articles about me. Calls, threats. It was tormenting me. One day I was laying on the floor in the sanctuary, and I said, oh, God, I was just crying. You said you'd make a way of escape. And you hadn't made no way of escape. About that same time, a big church in Columbus, Georgia called and said, we want you to come be our pastor. I went down there and preached for them. Heaven came down. Thousands upon multiplied thousands came to the altar. They had a 1,500-seat sanctuary paid for in a big town, big parking lots. They rolled out the red carpet for me. I said, this was my way. This is our way of escape. Hallelujah to God. And I said, Manda, what's the Lord saying to you? And she said, no. (laughs) The woman that you have given me. And one day I was in the sanctuary and said, Oh God, you said you'd make a way of escape and I never will. As a still small voice, I heard it say, I have made a way of escape. And I remember saying out loud, I don't know what it is. What is it? And I heard these words, walk in love. And I knew immediately what that meant. I had to go to 11 neighbors individually and apologize for messing up their neighborhood, for building parking lots right next to their house. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Some of them cussed me. Some of them welcomed me. Some of them told me to get off their porch and never come back. But I did that. And it was like the Lord opened the door. And where people used to be anti against us, now all of a sudden they depended on us. God supernaturally made a way of escape to turn that situation where the city didn't want us to where the city embraced us. If I would have run away like I wanted to, to get out of my pain, God would have never worked the long-term plan of God for that ministry in that city. Your way of escape is not running away, but walking through victoriously. Victorious, victorious. All right? Number one, you're not alone. Number two, the scheme of Satan to destroy you never supersedes the plan of God's deliverance for you. And number three, the way of escape is not to run away, but to walk through victoriously. Stand with me, would you? 
Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.